Hey, it's Otis here. Before we get to the bedtime reading, I wanted to let you know that I just launched a brand new show. It's called The Daily Book Club, a daytime companion to Sleepy, where you hear entire books one chapter at a time, one day at a time. Simple as that. So if Sleepy is how you uh, wind down your day, The Daily Book Club is a great way to start your day. There's new episodes daily. Uh, I read in a slightly peppier voice so that you can get really lost in these amazing stories that have stood the test of time. Or, just like Sleepy, you can sit back and relax and zone out to a good book. The first book we'll be reading is The Enchanted April by Elizabeth Von Arnhem. Story is, in the 1920s, four women unfulfilled with life take a chance and abscond to a dreamy medieval Italian castle. It's a story dripping with wisteria, the beauty of solitude, and an unlikely pursuit of joy in Portofino, Italy. I think that this is a perfect story for the season, and you can hear it now. Find The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. This show has been a long time coming, and I'm so excited to bring you even more stories. So go subscribe to The Daily Book Club to hear what happens next. Thanks. This episode of Sleepy is proudly sponsored by ButcherBox. If you've listened to Sleepy for a while, you know that I love good food, eating well, and treating my body right so that I can take on my days. Well, ButcherBox helps you do exactly that. They deliver super high-quality, 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood right to your door. It's humanely raised, no antibiotics or added hormones, they have a huge variety to choose from. They are excellent deals. They've got recipes and guides and tips included. And there's free shipping, always. Eating well is a huge factor in getting a good night's sleep, as is sometimes saving the trip to the grocery store and taking some stress out of your daily schedule. I have been loving these deliveries for those reasons. Been cooking up their uh, steak tips with eggs in the morning with butter and scallions and soy sauce. And I also made a delicious brine chicken roast with lemon parsley gravy. So good. The prices for this kind of quality and convenience is really impressive. Uh, yeah, ButcherBox has made me very happy. So sign up at butcherbox.com sleepy and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sleepy and use code sleepy to choose your free for a year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Butcherbox.com sleepy. Eat well, sleep well. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, and you're listening to Sleepy. podcast where I read old books to help you get to sleep and a proud member of the Airwave Podcast Network. I have got a 
wonderful, snoozy bedtime story for you tonight. But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon.com. Linda Ahern, S.J. Larimer, Steve Bell, Alice R. Hamers, Makeup and Music with Ten, Caitlin Tharp, and Kimberly Dara. Thank you all so, so much for donating and uh, being part of Making the Sleepy Podcast. And if anyone listening doesn't know uh, about the names that I just read, they are all brand new supporters of Sleepy on Patreon.com, uh, which is a site that you can go on and support creators of the work that you like. So if Sleepy has maybe helped you get a better night's sleep and wake up more refreshed, consider going to Patreon.com slash Sleepy Radio and donating even a dollar a month. And there's cool perks for donating $5 a month, uh, like you get access to an exclusive poetry feed where I send you poetry readings um, every month just for donating. And also, at $5 a month, you'll be entered into all of our book raffles which is where we give away books that I read on the show. So again, if you'd like to be part of making the show and have your name read in the opening credits of the next one after you donate, just go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio. Thank you. And as always, the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover art for Sleepy is by Gracie Kana. Tonight, I am reading a long-requested story from everyone who has really been liking our grim fairy tales that I've read in the show over the last year. A lot of people have been asking, please, will you read Rumpelstiltskin? Um, as it's a story many people grew up with. So tonight, that is exactly the story I'm going to be reading. Rumpelstiltskin. A story told to the Grimm brothers by Dorchen Wilde. They really do write it in a very lovely way. Um, so it's fantastic to fall asleep to. And since this fairy tale is a little shorter, um, right after I finish reading Rumpelstiltskin, I'm going to seamlessly go into the next story in this book, which is The Golden Bird which is also a very lovely story. So, now is the time for you to flop up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes and let me read to you. Rumpelstiltskin. There was once a poor miller who had a beautiful daughter. One day, he happened to fall into conversation with the king, and in order to impress him, he said, You know, your majesty, I have a daughter who can spin straw into gold. The king said to the miller, I like the sound of that, 
If your daughter is as clever as you say, bring her to the castle tomorrow, and we'll see what she can do. When the girl was brought to him, he took her to a room that was filled with straw right up to the ceiling. He gave her a spinning wheel and several spools and said, There you are. Work all day and all night, and if you haven't spun all this straw into gold by tomorrow morning, you'll be put to death. Then he himself locked the door, and she was left there all alone. The poor girl sat there with no idea what to do. Of course she couldn't spin straw into gold, and the longer she sat there, the more frightened she became. And finally, she began to cry. Then suddenly the door opened, and in came a little man. Good day, Miss Miller. And what are you blubbering for? I'm supposed to spin this straw into gold, and I don't know how to do it. And if I don't, they're going to kill me. Oh, well, what will you give me if I do it for you? My necklace. Let's have a look at it. He peered at the necklace and nodded and put it in his pocket. And then he sat down at the spinning wheel. He set to work so fast she could hardly see his hands. Whirr, whirr, whirr went the wheel. And the first spool was full. He put another one on. And whirr, whirr, whirr. And that one was full too. It went on like that till morning. And then all the straw was spun, and all the spools were filled with gold. Then the little man left, without another word. At sunrise, the king came and unlocked the door. He was pleased to see all that gold, and a bit surprised, too, that the miller's daughter had managed to do it. But it wasn't enough for him. So he took her to another room, even larger, that was filled with straw, like the first one. Spin all this in one night, or lose your life, he said, and locked the door. Once again, the poor girl began to cry, and once again the door opened, and there was the little man. What will you give me? If I spin all this into gold for you. The ring from my finger. Let's have a look at it. He squinted at it and put it in his pocket. Then he began to spin. The wheel went whirr, whirr, whirr all night long. And by morning, all the straw was turned into gold. The king was even more delighted, but he still hadn't got enough gold. He took the miller's daughter to an even larger room filled with straw like the others and said, Spin this into gold and I'll make you my wife. He was thinking, She's only a miller's daughter, but I'll never find a richer wife in all the world. When the girl was alone, 
The little man opened the door a third time. What will you give me? I've got nothing left. Then you've got to promise me, oh, and your queen, you'll give me your first child. Well, who can tell what'll happen in the future, she thought, and she promised the little man what he asked for. He set to work, and by morning, all the straw had been spun into gold. When the king saw it, he kept his promise, and the miller's lovely daughter became the queen. A year later, she brought a beautiful child into the world. She put the little man out of her mind, but all of a sudden, there he was. Now you must give me what you promised, he said. Oh, no, no, please, anything but that. I'll give you all the wealth in the kingdom. What would I want that for when I can spin gold from straw? I want a living baby. That's what I want. The queen began to cry and weep so much that the little man felt sorry for her. All right, I'll give you three days. You find out what my name is in three days, and you can keep your child. The queen sat up all night, trying to remember every name she'd ever heard. She sent a messenger into the town to ask for any unusual names and wrote down everything he came back with. When the little man returned, she began. Is it Caspar? No, that's not my name. Is it Melchior? No, that's not my name. Is it Balthazar? No, that's not my name. She went on through all the names the messenger brought back, and each time the little man said, No, that's not my name. The second day, she sent the messenger out into the country. There must be some strange names out there, she thought, and there were. While the little man came back, she tried them out. Is it Pickle Burster? No, that's not my name. Is it Hanky Dank? No, that's not my name. Is it McMustard Plaster? But he always answered, No, that's not my name. She was getting desperate. On the third day, though, the messenger came back with a strange tale. I haven't heard any more names of the sort I found yesterday, your majesty. But when I was near the top of the mountain, in the thickest part of the forest, I saw a little house. There was a fire burning in front of it, and a little man. You should have seen him. He looked absurd. He was dancing about in front of it hopping on one leg and singing out, one more day, and then she'll see, the royal child belongs to me. Water, earth, and air, and flame, 
Rumpelstiltskin is my name. Well, you can imagine how pleased the queen was to hear that. When the little man came in, he was rubbing his hands together and hopping with glee and saying, Now, my lady, what's my name? Eh, eh? Is it Tom? No, that's not my name. Is it Dick? No, that's not my name. Let me see. Is it Harry? No, that's not my name. Well, I wonder if it could be Rumpelstiltskin. The devil told you that. The devil told you that. The little man yelled. And in his fury, he stamped his right foot so hard that he drove it into the ground, right up into his waist. Then he took hold of his left foot with both hands and tore himself in two. The Golden Bird In the old days, there was a king who had a beautiful pleasure garden behind his palace. And in this garden, there was a tree that bore golden apples. Every year, once the apples were ripe, the king had them counted in number. But one year, the very morning after the count was taken, one was found to be missing. The head gardener reported this to the king, and as a result, the king ordered the tree to be guarded every night. So important was this task that he sent his three sons to carry it out. On the first night, he sent the eldest, but the prince couldn't stay awake, and at midnight, he was fast asleep. In the morning, another apple was missing. Next night, he sent the second son, but he didn't get on any better. When the clock struck twelve, his eyes were closed, and in the morning, one more apple was gone. Then it was the third son's turn. The king didn't altogether trust him and was reluctant to let him take guard. But the young man persuaded him and finally the king agreed. Like his brothers, the third son lay under the tree and settled down for a long watch, determined to fight off sleep. As the bells of midnight sounded from the palace, there was a rustling among the leaves above him as a beautiful golden bird flew down and settled on a branch. It shone so brightly, it was as if the whole garden was illuminated by a thousand lights. The young prince watched carefully, taking aim with his bow an arrow, and as the bird pecked off an apple, he shot an arrow up into the tree. The bird flew away at once, 
but one of its golden feathers floated down to the grass. In the morning, the prince took the feather to the king and explained what had happened. The king called a meeting of the privy council and everyone examined the feather and they decided that a feather like this was worth more than the kingdom itself. Well, if it's that precious, said the king, I can't be expected to make do with just one feather. I want the whole bird, and I'll have it. See if I don't. So the eldest son set out to find the bird, convinced that he was clever enough to find it and bring it back. He had only gone a little way when he saw a fox sitting at the edge of the forest, watching him. The prince raised his gun and took aim, but the fox cried out, Don't shoot. I'll give you a piece of advice. You're looking for the golden bird, aren't you? Well, if you carry on this way, you'll come to a village with two inns, one at each side of the road. One will be brightly lit with the sound of songs and laughter. But don't go there, whatever you do. Go to the other one, even if you don't like the look of it. The prince thought, call that good advice? How can a stupid animal like that give me any advice? And he pulled the trigger. But the fox was too quick. In a moment, he was away into the dark trees, his tail stretched out behind him. The prince went on this way, and as evening fell, he came to the village, which was just as the fox had described. Two inns stood there, one brightly lit and full of the sounds of merrymaking, the other dismal and dark. Well, I'd be a fool if I stayed at that miserable hovel, he thought, and he went into the cheerful place at a high old time and forgot all about the golden bird, his father, and all the good lessons he had learned. After some time had gone past, and the eldest son showed no signs of returning. The second son, in his turn, set out to look for the golden bird. Like his brother, he met the fox, listened to his advice, took no notice of it, and came to the two inns. And there was his brother calling out to him, and he couldn't resist. He went in and lived it up, forgetting everything but his pleasure. More time went past, and then the youngest prince asked if he could go off and try his luck. But his father had other ideas. It's futile, he said to the prime minister. He's got even less chance of finding that bird than his brothers did. And if he meets any danger... He won't know how to look after himself. Frankly, I don't think he's all there. 
However, the prince kept asking, and in the end the king gave way. The young man set off, just as his brothers had done. Then he found the fox sitting in the same place and offering the same advice. The prince was a good-natured boy, and he said, Thank you, little fox. Don't worry, I won't harm you. You won't regret it, said the fox. Now, if you just sit on my back, I'll take you to the village in a brace of shakes. The prince did as he said, and off set the fox, speeding up hill and down dale so fast that the wind whistled through the prince's hair. When they came to the village, the prince, following the fox's advice, stayed in the shabby inn where he spent a quiet and comfortable night. Next morning, he went out to the road and found the fox sitting there, waiting for him. Since you are sensible enough to take my advice, said the fox, I'll help you with the next part of your journey. We're going to the castle now, with a whole troop of soldiers outside it. Don't take any notice of them, because they'll all be lying on the ground, fast asleep and snoring. Go right through the middle of them and into the castle itself. Go straight through all the rooms to the last one of all, and there you will find the golden bird. It'll be in a wooden cage. Nearby there's a golden cage as well, but ignore that. It's just for decoration. Remember, whatever you do, don't try to take the bird out of the simple cage and put it in a fancy one. If you do, there'll be trouble. When he'd said that, the fox stretched out his tail again. The young prince sat on his back, and off they went as fast as before. When they reached the palace, the fox remained outside, and the prince went in, where he found everything just as the fox had said. He went through all the rooms and found the golden bird in its wooden cage with the golden cage beside it. The three golden apples were there too, lying on the floor. The wooden cage looked so ugly, and the golden one so beautiful, that the prince felt he had to put things right, despite what the fox had said. And he took the bird out of the wooden cage and put it in the golden one. As soon as he did that, the bird uttered such a piercing cry that the soldiers outside all woke up at once and they rushed in, took the young man prisoner and carried him off to the dungeons. Next morning he was brought before the court. He admitted everything, and the judge sentenced him to death. However, the king of that country liked the look of the young prince and said he'd spare his life on one condition. The prince had to bring him the golden horse that ran faster than the wind. 
If he did, the sentence would be annulled, and he would receive the golden bird as a reward. The prince set off, but without much hope. In fact, he had no idea where to find the horse or how to start looking, and he felt pretty sorry for himself. However, as he stepped out along the road, he saw his friend, the fox, again. What did I tell you? said the fox. All this trouble came about because you didn't listen to me. Well, never mind. I'm here now, and I'll tell you how to find the golden horse. Come with me, and I'll take you to a castle where the horse is in the stable. There are several grooms there, but they're all fast asleep outside, so you'll be able to lead the horse out without any problems. But mind you put the plain old leather saddle on him and not the golden one you'll find there. Otherwise, trouble. The fox stretched out his tail. The prince sat on his back, and off they sat so fast that the wind whistled in the prince's hair. They reached the castle, where everything was as the fox had said. The prince entered the stable and found the golden horse, so beautiful that he had to shade his eyes, and as he looked around for the saddle, he thought it would be ridiculous to put the old battered leather one on, when there was such a beautiful golden one just waiting to be used. So he put the golden one on. The horse neighed loudly. The grooms woke up. They seized the prince, and he was sentenced to death. And the king of that castle spared his life too. The condition this time was that he had to bring back the golden princess from the golden castle. And off set the prince with a heavy heart once more, and once more he met the faithful fox. You're a difficult man to help, said the fox. I should really leave you to get on by yourself, but I feel sorry for you. The path run leads directly to the golden castle. We'll get there in the evening, and when it's dark and everything's quiet, the golden princess will go to the bathhouse to bathe. What you must do is run up as soon as you see her and kiss her. Once you've done that, she'll follow you and you can take her anywhere. But you mustn't allow her to say goodbye to her parents. If you do that, it'll all go wrong. The fox stretched out his tail, the prince sat on his back, and off they went, the wind whistling through the prince's hair. They soon arrived at the golden castle, where everything was as the fox said it would be. The prince hid until midnight, and when everyone else was asleep, the princess went to the bathhouse. The prince ran up and kissed her, and she said she'd gladly go anywhere in the world with him, 
but first she must bid farewell to her mother and father. She begged him, she implored him, she wept, and although he resisted her pleas at first, she was so beautiful and in such distress that he finally gave in. Naturally, as she approached the royal bed, the king woke up, so did everyone else in the palace. The prince was seized and thrown into prison, the next morning he was brought before the king. Your life is worth nothing, young man, said the king. I'd have you put to death at once. But there's a task that needs doing, and if you can do it, I'll spare your life. Out of my window is a mountain that blocks my view. Take that away within seven days, and the princess is yours. Otherwise, you'll lose your head. They gave the prince a shovel, and he set to work at once. But when six days had gone by, and he stood back to back and looked at what he'd done, his heart sank. He'd hardly made a difference at all. However, he kept on shoveling all through the seventh day until the evening. At that point, the fox appeared again. I don't know why I bother he said, you don't deserve any help, but I've got a soft spot for you. Go to bed, and I'll move the mountain. Next morning, when the prince woke up and looked out of the window, he saw that the mountain had vanished. Full of joy, he rushed to the king. Your majesty, I've done it. The mountain's gone. The king looked out of the window, and he couldn't deny it. The mountain had vanished. Very well, he said. Whether I like it or not, I shall keep my word. You may take my daughter. So the young prince and the golden princess set off together, and soon the faithful fox had joined them. You've got the best of all prizes right here, said the fox, but the golden princess needs the golden horse. How can I get that? I'll tell you, and listen to me this time, said the fox. First, you must take the princess to the king who sent you to fetch her. There will be great celebrations, and they'll gladly let you have the golden horse. When you bring it out, you must mount it straight away and then shake hands with everyone and say goodbye. Make sure you shake hands with the golden princess last of all. And when you've got her hand in yours, swing her up behind you and gallop away at once. No one can possibly catch you because the horse goes faster than the wind. Everything went on as the fox had said. The celebrations, the gift of the horse, the handshaking, the escape. The fox went with them, and when they slowed down at last, he said, You did as I told you. Good. Now I'll help you get the golden bird. When you get near the castle, where the bird is kept, 
let the princess down from the horse. I'll look after her while you do the rest. You must ride the horse into the courtyard, and everyone will rejoice when they see it, and I'll bring out the golden bird for you. As soon as you have the cage in your hand, set off like the wind and come back for the princess. That plan worked as well. Now that the prince had all the treasures he wanted, he got ready to set off for home. But the fox said, Before you go, I'd like a reward for all the help I've given you. Of course, said the prince. What would you like? When we come to the forest, I'd like you to shoot me dead and cut off my head and my paws. That would be a strange form of gratitude, said the prince. I couldn't possibly do that. Well, if you don't do it, I'll have to leave you. But I'll give you a last piece of advice. There are two things you have to be aware of. Don't buy any gallows meat and don't sit on the edge of a well. When he'd said that, the fox ran off into the forest. The prince thought, what a strange animal to have such ideas. Who'd buy gallows meat? And I've never wanted to sit on the edge of a well. He went on his way with the beautiful princess, and before long they came to the village where his two brothers had stayed behind. Then he found a crowd gathering with a lot of noise and commotion. And when he asked what was going on, he was told that two men were about to be hanged. He pushed his way through and found that the two men were his brothers. They had run through all their money and got up to all kinds of wickedness. The young prince asked, if there was any way they could be pardoned. Well, you can buy their freedom, he was told, but why spend good money on saving such wretches? He didn't hesitate. He paid over the money and bought their freedom, and his brothers were unshackled with strict warnings not to visit that village ever again. Then they set off, and after a brisk morning's traveling, they came to the forest where they had first met the fox. The sun was hot, and since it was pleasantly cool under the trees, the brothers said, let's rest here a little. Look, we can get some water from the well. The young prince agreed. He forgot the fox's warning and sat down on the rim of the well, suspecting nothing. In a moment, the two brothers pushed him into the well and made off with the princess, the horse, and the bird, and took them to their father. See, father, they said, not only the bird, but the golden horse and the princess from the golden castle as well. Not bad, eh? 
the king ordered a great celebration. But observant courtiers noticed that the horse refused to eat, and the bird wouldn't sing, and the princess could do nothing but sit and weep. Meanwhile, what of the youngest brother? He didn't drown, because the well was dry, and he didn't break any bones, because it was full of moss. He sat at the bottom, puzzling how to get out, and he was just at his wit's end when the faithful fox appeared once more. He jumped down the well and scolded the prince. What did I tell you, he said. Well, I suppose I should have expected it. Never mind. I won't leave you down here. Get hold of my tail and hang on tight. The prince did, and a minute later he clambered out after the fox and brushed himself down. Now you're not out of danger yet, said the fox. Your brothers weren't sure that you died in the well, so they've stationed guards all around the forest with orders to shoot you on sight. They set off, and presently the prince came across a poor man and exchanged clothes with him. In that way he managed to get to the court without being recognized. As soon as he came in, the birds started singing. The horse began to eat, and the beautiful princess stopped crying. The king was amazed. What does this mean, he said. I don't know, said the princess. I was sad, and now I'm joyful. I feel as happy as if my bridegroom had come. She told the king everything that had happened defying the brothers who had threatened to kill her as she revealed the truth. The king ordered the whole court to gather, and the young prince was there too, and the rags he got from the poor man. The princess recognized him at once and ran to embrace him, and the wicked brothers were seized and put to death. The young prince was married to the princess, and appointed heir to the king. But what about the poor fox? One day, a long time afterwards, the prince happened to be walking in the forest when he came across his old friend, who said, You've got everything you want now, but I've had nothing but bad luck for years, and you refuse to set me free, even though I ask you to. And once again the fox begged the prince to shoot him and cut off his head and paws. This time the prince did it, and as soon as it was done, the fox changed into none other than the brother of the princess, released at last from a spell that had been cast over him. And from then on, nothing was missing from their happiness as long as they lived. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.